You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So we're going to keep rolling with this because I'm having fun. I'm glad the uh, Bears fans and everything started popping off about beer chugging because um, it's kind of fun to get this thing rolling. And it'll also be good to get off quarterback because it gives me an opportunity to you know, prove that it's not just me being biased. Although, I shouldn't have to prove that to say Aaron Rodgers is clearly the best in the NFC North. But, you know, it's kind of crazy out there sometimes. I even saw yesterday an article that said, um, ah, what was it, something to the effect of could Trubisky dethrone Aaron Rodgers as the top quarterback in the NFC North? It's like, this had to have been a Bears fan that wrote this. I think it was a USA Today article, but it had to be a Bears fan because nobody else would even be thinking that. First of all, what exactly do you mean? Are we talking about his entire career is going to end up being better, or are we just talking about he's going to be a better quarterback this year? Because although it's slightly possible, literally anything in any scenario that you could bring up in the NFL would also be equally as possible. Could Rashawn Gary be the best pass rusher in the NFC North? Yeah. Why? <laughs> what, what? What? I mean, do you want me to like put a percentage on it, or what? What would you like me to do with this information? I, I don't. I don't get why that was even brought up. Could Preston Smith get more sacks than Khalil Mack? Yeah. Pro. I mean, you know, injury and you know, Preston's got help, and I mean, Kyler got more than you know. You got double digits. I mean, it, it really, it, it, I don't even know why anybody would even think to answer, ask that question. Baby steps, man. Let's go from not garbage to somewhat help my defense win football games, right? I mean, I literally, the defense is super important. The pass rushers are doing a good job. The corners are doing a good job. The safeties are doing a good job. Best defense, not just that year, but as I've said, probably in pretty long time, several years. Beyond that, he's got some weapons, his running backs, even though you know one of them got shipped off, they're pretty talented. Offensive line is talented. Wide receivers, which we'll talk about today, I've knocked them a little bit, but they're more than talented enough to get the job done. They're not as elite as Bears fans think, and maybe other people around the you know sports universe think because they're kind of big name guys. But they're certainly talented. I mean, literally, the if if there's an anchor on this team, it's Trubisky. Which is why, by the way, I've said if he gets better, we're all in trouble. Because if, if he goes from being an anchor to an air balloon, the team's going to be unstoppable. But the fact that everybody's looking at the one weak point on this entire team, the biggest weak link on this team, and going, oh man, he's going to be so, he's better than Rodgers, man. You guys are just weird. What in the world? Like I've said, I don't want to go back to quarterbacks, but Mitch Trubisky was not even the 32nd best quarterback in the NFL last year. I don't really need to say anything else. just freaks me out. Could Marquez be better than Devontae? I don't know, man. Why don't you just go 
jump in a fast-moving river and think it over for a little bit. I, I don't know how to help you. Just let it carry you far away from me. You know, not a deep river. I don't want him to die. I'm just saying, get away from me. Jump in front of a train. And then, you know, I mean, I don't want you to get hurt. Just wanted to push you several states away. I'm sure you'll be all right. You know, a slow train. It's just kind of slowly. Anyways. <laughs> oh, let the hate roll in. All right, since we are going back to the old format of longer episodes, which makes me happy in and of itself, guess what we're doing? Preliminaries burn. So something I haven't really plugged in a while, you got to make sure you check out the merch, man. Just click the link and look at it. And remember what I said, it's so smooth. It's not a preference thing. It's not an opinion thing. These things are nice. We also got some pretty popular beer koozies or bottle can koozies. Soda pop koozies, you know, whatever. I always love getting the uh, the photographs, text messages, DMs, whatever. Somebody hanging out with the Packernet koozie. Uh, the PodTrack survey is still sitting there if you'd like to take that. If you could, I do understand that there's ads on this channel. I'm hoping you understand. They don't pay all that much. I'm kind of just nickel and diamond this thing trying to, you know, make it more of a... I won't say living, because I don't want to get my hopes up. But at least make it feel like I'm doing something productive. Let me put it this way. What I'm trying to do is prove that I don't need to go get a part-time job because I have a podcast. I'm not there yet. I'm not to the point where delivering pizzas at night wouldn't be a better option. But anyways, if you do appreciate what I do, it is a lot of work, as I'm sure you could figure out. It's a lot of time, as you know, because you've been listening. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support me for as little as a buck a month. I know I'm not pumping content on there as much as I should, but again, I have a full-time job. I have a family. I have this podcast, I've got, you know, draft website. When I come up with something, I will. And by the way, if you want to get access to that stuff, it's a minimum of $5 or more. But just a thought if you were thinking about it. If you're not a fan of Patreon or don't want to do month to month and would rather do it one time, there's also PayPal and Venmo. Very, very greatly appreciated. Otherwise, make sure you get into the Packernet Facebook group. NFLBigBoard.com is not updated yet, but uh, as I'm starting to slowly settle in, I'm going to start working on that. Hopefully by next week I'll have the new big board up, Um, considering the amount of time that's gone by and just how crazy the draft has gotten. I think if I had started this time last year, I wouldn't have been able to do it, but it's just, it's getting so huge that there's several big boards out there already, so it's going to take some time to put all that together. If you have any questions or uh, comments for the show, the phone number is 608-501-0718, text or call 608-501-0718. And finally, the most important thing, if you'd like to help the show, Because as I've said, and is still the case, um, the show really blew up. It is a big audience, but it's been pretty stagnant for about a year. The best way to help the show is going to be with a pro football... (laughs) That's the next one. With an iTunes review. Well, there's two things... Well, three three things you can do. Number one would be to share and talk about the show any chance you get. Number two would be a five-star iTunes review. Number three would be to make sure you're listening to my podcast. Again, there is the uh, um, Packernet aggregation thing. Which is great. I get all those listens. It's not taking anything from me. However, iTunes and Google Play and all this stuff, they're watching how many people are actually watching my show to see how valuable it is. And when 50, 60, 70 percent, whatever it is, are listening to that instead of this, iTunes just kind of thinks that this show is only 30 percent of what it is. And that's why I can't raise my rankings above shows that don't even exist anymore, which actually probably speaks more to their garbage algorithm than anything. But whatever. I'll trust the process. I'll trust that they'll figure it out eventually, especially Google, man. It's your whole job is to figure out how to find out the most valuable website and put it up front. Do it for podcasts, man. Do it for 
I don't know who. And by the way, once we get to 200 iTunes reviews, I'm going to be giving a PFF subscription away. If you don't want to wait for that to happen, which uh, at this pace will never happen, but if you'd like to jump in with both feet and get yourself a PFF subscription, there is a link to an affiliate link for me. I honestly don't even know if it works anymore, but I've clicked on it. The coupon code is still there. You save yourself, I think, 10%. Supposedly, they're going to kick me 10 bucks. If you've done it already, let me know because then it's broken. I'll leave the link up because you get a discount, but I would just like to know that I'm not getting anything anymore. All right, that was a little bit long, but I haven't done it in a while, so let's take a break, and we're going to talk about some NFC North wide receivers. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the goal in this, a little more so than with the quarterbacks, is more or less to just provide information and kind of let you make up your own decision. Because, again, there's the PFF grades, there's the stats and the advanced stats, and then whatever variables you want to throw in the back of your mind that kind of create the full picture, especially with this position because there's more than one, right? The Packers, obviously, it's very top-heavy, and then the talent drops off. The Vikings have, um, you know, two very good wide receivers and then nothing at all. It's not even a talent drop-off. They just Well, I, I shouldn't say that definitively. My assumption based on what I know, is that there's nobody else. The Bears are a completely different animal where they've got guys that are, you know, maybe like a notch above our second-level guys, but below Devontae, and it's just like a straight line. And the Lions are kind of similar to that, but I would say their wide receivers are a little bit better, and they have one guy that's pretty solid. So it's also a matter of, like, how do you quantify the unit being really good? Some people might just dismiss the Packers outright because you got to have more than one guy to have a good unit because they do play off each other. I guess I don't really care how you do it. I just want to talk about it for a little bit, if that's okay with you. Great. Thanks. Super. Let's get started. So right out of the gate, I want to look at, similar to last time, the PFF grades and just kind of run through it just so we can get an idea of who goes where. Um, in my opinion, and you know, I'm going to throw this out there regardless, similar to quarterbacks as far as tiers go, the top tier includes Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Adam Thielen. That's my opinion. Kenny Galladay has the potential to get into it, but that's just sort of how I see it. Now, based on last year in the PFF grades, it was Adam Thielen and Devontae Adams and then a drop. And essentially, Diggs was down in Galladay's territory. 
Now, right out of the gate, Packers fans aren't going to like this because the number one wide receiver in the NFC North was not Adams, it was Thielen. Now, it's a small enough margin where you can say that they're full of it and whatever, and that's fine. Again, I doubt you watched every snap of Adam Thielen, or Devontae for that matter, but maybe. I'm not going to go into that whole thing again. The bottom line is, Adam Thielen's really good, and if he was a little bit better than Adams, okay. He was a freak last year. Absolute freak. And, And as I've said... It's not just he had a great year. He's followed the exact same path of Devontae Adams. He wasn't super great for a while. All of a sudden, he's pretty good. Next thing you know, he's really good. And then all of a sudden, it's like, dude, this guy's a freak. Same as Devontae. He just edged him out a little bit this year. So Adam was right at about elite. Devontae was quite a bit under. shouldn't say quite a bit. It was, it was high. They're both high 80s. Trying not to give away the grades because you're supposed to be paying for this stuff, especially... The advanced stats that I'm looking at are very expensive. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. <laughs> Behind them, surprisingly, actually they're tied, but they had him above, Kenny Galladay, who, if I were to maybe put out who's the most underrated wide receiver, it's probably Kenny Galladay. Now, Lions fans think that I'm underrating him by saying he's not elite, I would assume, but I think they're wrong. I think he's very good. I think he has potential to be... Oh, 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 what do we got? Nothing? I'll let you work it out. See, again, that one didn't even make noise. This phone is just taunting me. In my mind, Kenny Galladay's kind of on a tier by himself. There's Thielen, Adams, and Diggs, and Diggs didn't really prove it necessarily last year, but I really do think he's a very good uh, wide receiver. Then there's, like, not even a major gap, but a, a gap to where I would put Kenny. Then I would put another gap where everybody else is. That's just how I personally see it. But again, you got uh, the... The second tier is Kenny Galladay and Stephon Diggs. Then there's a really big drop, and you've got a pile of guys, right? So to, to give you some context, uh, Adam Thielen, Devontae Adams, high 80s, almost elite. Kenny Galladay, Stephon Diggs, low 80s. Then you drop into the kind of low 70s where you got Allen Robinson, uh, well, technically Javon Wims, but he only played five snaps, so he doesn't count. Uh, Marvin Jones, Taylor Gabriel, Golden Tate, doesn't really count, but, you know, Bruce Ellington, now we're getting into the high 60s. Those would be sort of the, I guess, kind of good, but not great guys. So I would say Allen Robinson, Marvin Jones, Taylor Gabriel, that would probably be tier three. Then you would drop again into another tier. That's where you got the rest of the Packers wide receivers, Equinemia St. Brown, Geronimo Allison, Marquez, um, uh, Anthony Miller for the Bears, Jake Kumaro, maybe. He's kind of on the verge of, of being in the final tier, which is the bad tier. I know Packers fans, again, don't want to agree, but please keep in mind, first of all, small sample size, yes. He only played 10 snaps in the regular season, but I'm not judging this based on preseason. Take away all the preseason and practice and training and all that stuff. If all you ever saw of Jay Kumro was what he did in the regular season, I don't think anybody would be super hyped about him. But uh, beyond that, you got Jamon Moore, who had a bad year. You got Laquan Treadwell, who's really bad. Uh, TJ Jones for the Detroit Lions, not very good. So that would be the final kind of guys that are not very good tier. Now, this was ordered by their receiving grade, similar to with quarterback. I went with their passing grade, not all the other stuff. I could order it by overall offensive grade, but it really doesn't change very much, like at all. It's still Thielen, Adams, Galladay, Diggs, uh, Robinson, then Marvin Jones. I mean, it's, it's really the exact same order. The only guys that move are small sample size guys or guys that aren't even on the team anymore. So that's it. Number one tier, Thielen and Adams. I personally would put Stephon Diggs, but based on last year's grades. Then you got Kenny Galladay and uh, Stephon Diggs. 
Then you got the good, not great tier, which is Allen Robinson, Marvin Jones, um, and Taylor Gabriel. Then you've got the sort of mediocre guys, Equinemius, Geronimo, Marquez. Then you got the not great guys, Jay Kumaro, Jamon Moore, Laquan Treadwell, TJ Jones. Now, this whole podcast is going to be Packers fans not being happy with me. But first of all, just understand, I'm just reading it. Yes, I do believe it. But also understand, this is a very small context. Again, Stephon Diggs, I don't think, is in the second tier. I think he was in the second tier. I think he's a better wide receiver than that. I'm also not talking about context as far as um, moving forward. So I'm not going super far in the in the past to look at what they've been. I'm not looking in the future to see what they can be. I think Adams and Thielen are pretty well topped out. I mean, of course they can get better, but there's not that much room to grow. They're already crazy good. Going to go from, like, what, fifth overall to third overall? I mean, maybe, probably not, though. Uh, Galladay and Diggs, I think, are both talented enough to move into that upper tier. I think Allen Robinson is what he always been. Marvin Jones is kind of stay where he is. Taylor Gabriel, all these guys are just kind of, they've always been kind of good, not great. This is opinion talking. Um, Equinemius, Geronimo, Marquez, and Anthony Miller, who I forgot to mention, all four of these guys are very young. All four of these guys could take a leap. Anthony Miller was a second-round pick. He could absolutely get better. Marquez, we've already heard good things. Equinemius is a guy that I really like. Geronimo, I mean, he's going to be a starter. Whatever, right? Super, well, that that could just be called the potential tier right there. Then you get into the lower group, Jamon. I actually really think Jamon has a, has a solid opportunity. Remember, he was the first one drafted. Probably the best route runner of the group. He's got some serious talent. It's just a matter about, you know, getting it out. Jay Kumaro, I don't put a ton of stock in. Right, He was the second-worst wide receiver for the Packers, the fourth-worst wide receiver of this group, and he was an undrafted free agent. I don't know. I know, I saw preseason. I'm just saying, I don't personally have a huge amount of, of hope that he's going to be, especially considering the depth. Uh, Laquan Treadwell and TJ Jones, I don't really expect a lot. For similar reasons, uh, we've kind of seen what they are for a good enough amount of time now to assume that this just isn't going to pan out. And the Vikings really, really, really need to replace Laquan Treadwell because I feel like we've won games on the back of Laquan Treadwell just having a bad game. Like, he was so bad and had so many drops, we won the game. I don't remember what game it was, but I know it was a thing, and I couldn't stop laughing. It was hilarious. You know how things are so bad that even though it's a rival and you don't like that team, you kind of feel bad? Like, I'm happy the Vikings are losing, but I kind of like... I mean, Laquan Treadwell has a mom, man. <laughs> this is brutal. So hard to watch him play sometimes. But I'll man up. I'll suck it up and I'll get over it, and I will be happy that they have Laquan Treadwell. So we'll start looking at some of the more um, basic stats, I guess. I set the minimum targets to 10. I should up that a lot, but Jay Kumaro only had 10 targets, and I'd like to keep him on here if possible. It filtered out a few. We've only got 20 to uh, 21 to work with now. I'm um, looking at reception percentage, which is the percentage of uh, targets that were actually caught. Jay Kumaro was actually number one with uh, 80%. Eight out of his 10 targets were caught, 103 yards and a touchdown. Now... Let me, let me just do something real quick, just for the sake of the, the Kumaro people out there. Let's say he had, what what's, who's a good number two here? I don't know, let's just give him 100 targets. I guess that's pretty easy math, because he had 10. On 100 targets, that would be 80 receptions for 1,030 yards and 10 touchdowns. Now, th the math doesn't really work when it's a super small sample size. I mean, it's not that easy to do. I mean, the math is easy, but it, it doesn't really work that way. But just to give an idea of how solid those 10 targets were, that's pretty good. We'll get to passer rating, which was phenomenal, by the way. We'll get to that later, but just just throwing a bone to the Kumaro folks. Behind that, as far as guys that matter, TJ Jones, Adam Thielen, Laquan Treadwell, uh, Taylor Gabriel, we're at 73, Stephon Diggs, Geronimo. So already just looking at this, 
there isn't a super high correlation between good wide receiver and reception percentage. Probably be better off just looking at how many drops they had and leave it at that. I mean, Kumaro and Ellington are number one, Bruce Ellington. Devontae is 10th. So yeah, that's not super important. Thousand yard receivers. Devontae Adams, number one, 1386. Adam Thielen, 1373, nipping at his heels. Kenny Galladay, 1067. Stephon Diggs, 1021. So again, I mean, that right there just kind of illustrates kind of what I'm talking about. Vikings have two good wide receivers. Packers have one. Lions have one. Bears have zero. This is going to be a fun one because I'm going to step on everybody's toes. Packer fans hate how disrespectful I'm going to be to everybody but Devontae. Lions fans probably hate that I'm not respectful enough to Kenny Galladay. Bears fans, well, I think they think they have a good wide receiver group, and I don't think they're right. And for the record, for anybody out there, because I can see the gears turning, oh, so we have a really bad quarterback, but yet it's our wide receiver's fault too. Which one is it? First of all, it can be both. How would you know if it's both? Well, one really good way to tell if you have a bad quarterback and also your wide receivers aren't that great and not just a product of a bad quarterback is if they were free agents that played for other teams previously. When the Bears got Allen Robinson, it was seen as a massive signing. And I looked at that and I said, I don't know. He had like one good year. Otherwise, he's not a super great wide receiver. When they got Taylor Gabriel, I thought, eh, he's not a very good wide receiver, but okay. He comes to the Bears and guess what? They're still not very good wide receivers. So that would be one way to tell. And I'm not saying bad, I'm just saying they're not on that upper tier. Um, As far as touchdowns, there was only one wide receiver who reigned supreme. That was Devontae Adams. Obviously, a lot of props again to the Vikings. Nobody broke 10, but they had two guys, Diggs and Thielen, that both had nine. So again, I can sit here and brag all I want about the Packers, but I think any reasonable person, if you said, would you rather have one that gets 13 or two that get nine each? I mean, the math is pretty simple. Uh, as far as the Bears, Anthony Miller was actually the, the top guy, which speaks well to Anthony Miller. Hopefully he can, for the Bears' sake, become a good wide receiver because, you know, then you'll have one. <laughs> I can't help him, man. It is what it is. Um, and then as far as the Detroit Lions, Marvin Jones had five. Kenny Galladay had five. So that's a bad situation that needs to be rectified for the Lions' sake. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's cool that Kenny Galladay is a pretty good wide receiver, deep threat, talented guy. But he's not helping you in the red zone. Marvin Jones isn't helping. you, you got to find a red zone threat. Now, clearly you picked up a tight end that's supposed to help in that regard. But looking specifically at good wide receivers, obviously red zone, end zone production, it's pretty important stuff. And if you're able to produce yards, but really not any points, kind of lowers my, you know, ranking of you, I guess. But, you know, he's good. Yards per reception. This is why I stopped talking about yard, because... You know, I want to talk about the big yard producer guys because production matters. But at the end of the day, some people don't have as many opportunities. Yards per reception, in my opinion, far more important. At least if we're looking at yards specifically. Well, in this case, Packer fans should be very excited. Number one of this entire group of 21 wide receivers is Equinemius St. Brown, 15.6 yards per reception. Crazy. Well, it's a small sample size. Okay, well, it's 34. Kind of small. Beyond that, Marquez was number two at 15.3. He had 67 targets. That's more than Anthony Miller had. That's more than Golden Tate and Randall Cobb and TJ Jones and Laquan Treadwell and a lot of people. 15.3. Then, Geronimo Allison at 15.2. After that is Kenny Galladay. Again, he's a a big deep threat guy. And then Marvin Jones after that. So, uh, Kenny is 15.2. Ty would Geronimo. Marvin Jones, that's when there's a big drop-off at 14.5. So essentially, 
There's four deep threats in the NFL, although I don't I don't consider Geronimo a deep threat. I kind of see this as a one-off. I could be wrong. I keep hammering him on that, and as I said, every time I say he's not a deep threat, he gets a big play. But obviously with EQ and Marquez's speed, Marquez has more, but I think we forget that Equinemius is a pretty fast guy. I believe they're both legitimate deep threats. So if we say there's three legitimate deep threats, two of them are Green Bay Packers. Um, but again, there's a drop-off from Kenny Galladay to Marvin Jones. 15.2 drops to 14.5. Then there's another drop-off to Allen Robinson at 13.7. A drop-down to Jay Kumaro. There's someone sandwiched in between, but I don't really care about Aldrick Robinson. I suppose I should, right? He's got the same amount of receptions as Equinemius. But it's still a Packers podcast, so I don't care. Kumaro at 12.9. Anthony Miller at 12.8. Devontae at 12.5. Thielen 12.2. So that seems to be kind of the standard right there in the 12s, which again should give us some context for how crazy the 15s are. Actually, I wonder if that's a decent comp for like what Equinemius could become as like a Kenny Galladay type. I shouldn't say comp because it's not really an expectation or who I see him as, but as far as like style of wide receiver, I mean, Galladay's a third round guy. Third round guy, six foot four, he's an equally big guy, but he's, he runs a four five. Man, that, that would be crazy. If Marquez could even be like Kenny Galladay light, not saying Kenny Galladay is is not, it's not impossible that he becomes Kenny Galladay. I'm just saying I don't want to set that as a expectation or have a soundbite or anybody going on Twitter saying I'm dumb because I said Marquez is going to be Kenny Galladay. I'm not saying that. But to have that style of wide receiver opposite Devontae Adams with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, I don't know, man. Be pretty crazy. But anyways, and then the yards per reception tail off. Don't really care. Uh, looking at yards after the catch, I'm going to do yards after the catch per reception because, again, the total numbers don't really mean all that much to me. Uh, typically, these are going to be your slot guys. Uh, Brandon Powell, Golden Tate, Randall Cobb, Geronimo. Uh, Brandon Powell was way above everybody, but, you know, 17 targets. After that, you get 6.4 for Golden Tate, 6.3 for Randall Cobb. Neither of these people matter anymore. After that, there was a pretty big drop-off where you get a bunch of Packers again. So the top yards after the catch guys, Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Equinemia St. Brown. Geronimo and Marquez are 5.7, Equinemius 5.5, and then Anthony Miller 5.2, Kenny Galladay 5, and then it drops from 5 down to 4.3 with Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen. You get the, the big guys. So these are pretty promising numbers as far as yards per reception, yards after the catch for these guys that we're hoping have breakout years for the Packers, and also Anthony Miller's hanging in there occasionally. Uh, looking at drops, I don't want to go through all of it, but uh, Adam Thielen and Devontae Adams both had five. It's relatively high, but they also had massively more targets than everybody else. But that brings me to another guy, Mr. Um, Mr. Stephon Diggs, who had just about as many targets as Adam Thielen, about 20 less than Devontae, only one drop. So dude's pretty good. Um, Equinemius had zero, which is awesome. Only 34 targets, but that's still really, really good. Another stat that's you know, you're not going to find it anywhere, is avoided tackles after reception. So you catch it, there's going to be usually a guy there that's trying to tackle you. Did you shake him? It's a pretty important thing to be able to do. So Golden Tate was number one. He's gone. Stephon Diggs, though, reigns supreme in this category. He's got 12. The next guy on the list, there's a drop down to nine. That's Devante. From nine, it drops to seven, and then it just kind of tails off. Uh, seven, seven, six, six, five, five, whatever. But it's Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Taylor Gabriel, whatever. Uh, passer rating when targeted. Now, this is a little skewed because passer rating is obviously the quarterback's rating, so it has a lot to do with the quarterback. So it's not all that surprising that the Packers are on top of this list because their quarterback's better. But Jay Kumaro's number one at 142.9, which is crazy. And and if there's anything that speaks to Jay Kumaro possibly being a big part of the offense or even a part of the offense, 
is the fact that he seemed to get in sync with Aaron Rodgers pretty quick. Now, here's another thing to think about. Not that it's a bad thing to be in sync with Aaron Rodgers, but I do think that with Mike McCarthy's offense, that mattered a lot. Because it's all backyard football. It's all a lot of, you need to get open. So you being in sync with Aaron Rodgers and being able to do a mind meld was really the only way that you're ever going to get open. I tend to think, again, if if you can have a great relationship with Rodgers, that's super important for every wide receiver quarterback in the NFL. However, if we're a little bit more scheme dependent, it doesn't have to matter that much because everything just works according to plan. If the wide receiver does what he's told, and if the quarterback does what he's told, and he goes through the progressions properly, there's a guy open. So if Equinemius and, and, and Aaron Rodgers aren't doing a mind meld, it shouldn't matter as much because we're leaning on the scheme a little more. So I, I would tend to think that guys who maybe aren't picking up quite as much, you know, maybe the Jmons and the Equinemiuses or whatever, those guys are going to get a little bit more of a boost than a Jay Kumaro for that reason. But uh, Geronimo, 130.5, again, another guy that just had a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams was next at 121.6, then Anthony Miller, 117.5, Adam Thielen, 115.4, Stephon Diggs, 107.9. So again, it, it really goes in that path that you would expect with the uh, the caveat that quarterback matters, the one outlier being Anthony Miller. But again, he's got some potential of being a pretty good wide receiver. Uh, the worst passer rating as far as Packers are concerned, Equinemia St. Brown, 93.8. Marquez 95.4, uh, Randall Cobb 97.3, and then being under 100, Kenny Galladay 98.6. So I want to take a quick little break. Yeah, we're back to the two-break situation. Uh, and then we're going to start looking at a little bit more advanced stats and then maybe try to come to a conclusion, which we probably already concluded at the start of this, but maybe something will have changed. I don't know. But we'll be right back. All right, so one of the stats that I left out every time, man, every time, I gotta change that to a music alarm because that's the only one we ever hit. Oh, I got an idea. So with my Google phone, by the way, the reason that I have Journey playing once in a while is because I can use Spotify to give me an alarm. Should give me a recommendation for some music. FYI, the reason I picked Journey, there's no chance of some crazy song popping up and swearing and everything else. And no, Josh, I'm not doing death metal. Sorry about that, bud. Way too early in the morning. Also, just no. Not my jam, man. Anyways... Um, I wanted to hold off on drops because, again, drops are going to be higher the more targets you get. And there's a pretty wide disparity between the guys who get a lot of targets and the guys who don't get any. So I want to look at drop percentage, which is in one of the advanced stat categories. So one of the things, actually, speaking of Josh, I believe it was your question yesterday, why isn't catchable passes a stat? It actually is. Uh, I can run through that really quick. Adam Thielen had 118 catchable passes. Devontae had 116. Stefan had 103. So that's for Devontae, he had 116 catchable passes out of 111 caught. And I don't know how many throws, I can figure it out, but I, that's not what we're doing right now, so I don't care. But that is a very important stat. I didn't mean to just gloss over your question, but it just dawned on me. There, Hey, there's that stat he was talking about. Anyways, drop percentage of people that matter. Uh, Geronimo Allison is the worst. All right, I guess I'll say Andy Jones because he's got as many targets as uh, Geronimo. Andy Jones is at 15.4. He dropped two of 13 catchable passes. Geronimo dropped three of 23 catchable passes. Then you got Laquan, who we all know is not very good at this kind of stuff. Um, Again, skipping a few people. Anthony Miller, 10% of his uh, passes were dropped, which is pretty significant. If we actually think about what that percentage represents, 10% is one out of 10. Geronimo dropped 13%. That's crazy. Shouldn't be anywhere near this high. Marquez, 9.5. Josh Bellamy, 6.7. 
Marvin Jones 5.4, Devontae 4.3, Thielen 4.2, Galladay 4.1. So this this to me feels like the range we should be in. Under 5, which is an area that the young guys really need to kind of pick up. And, it, it you know, it's kind of all of them, including Anthony Miller. Marquez, Anthony Miller, uh, I guess we'll call Geronimo a young guy. Equinemius obviously didn't drop any out of 21 catchable passes, so that's pretty solid. For context, again, Geronimo had 23 catchable passes, so we're talking about the same thing. Basically, Geronimo and Equinemius had the same amount of passes that were catchable. Geronimo dropped three of them, Equinemius. And if you think about some of those crazy catches Equinemius had, he could be a pretty solid target as far as, you know, having good hands and whatnot. But uh, anyways, everybody else is is solid. Allen Robinson, 3.5. Gabriel, 2.9. Stephon Diggs, 1. And then Equinemius, Jay Kumaro, TJ Jones, Brandon Powell, no drops. Uh, something else to look at as far as uh, stats is deep passing, right? Who are the, the deep guys? So in terms of just raw numbers, Devontae Adams was number one with 34 targets, then Kenny Galladay with 24, Stephon 23, Robinson 20, Thielen 20, Gabriel 19, uh, Squez 19. No idea why I felt like calling him Squez, just felt like the right thing to do. And on and on and on. As far as receptions, uh, only two guys cracked over 10, Devontae Adams and Adam Thielen. Yards, not surprising. Devontae was number one, 389. Adam Thielen, 359. Marquez, 311. Obviously, he jumped way up because he's got a lot of yards. Got some big old plays in there, man. Touchdowns, uh, Aldrick Robinson, surprisingly on only 31 targets, was uh, tied for number one with four. Devontae Adams, Adam Thielen also had four. Getting into the percentages, which is more my thing. Deep percentage, which is obviously a measure of what percentage of your targets were deep throws, which, by the way, they're using 20 yards as a standard, so 20 yards or more. So Aldrick Robinson, obviously, is the Vikings' deep guy, or at least apparently is. 41.9% of his passes, almost half of them were 20 yards down the field or more. After that, again, you got the two Packers guys, Equinemius and Marquez. And I don't think Equinemius gets enough, I, I, I kind of keep saying it, he doesn't get enough credit for being essentially the same guy as Marquez, just not quite as fast. I mean, he ran a 4.48, and he's what? He's six foot five. That puts him in the 93rd percentile for speed. Marquez is 97th, but still, 4.48's pretty quick, man. But Equinemius was targeted uh, 20 yards or greater 32.4% of the time, basically one out of three. Uh, Marquez was 28.4, then Marvin Jones 25. Blah 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 blah. Devontae was only 21. Thielen and Diggs surprisingly were the the lowest amount. Adam Thielen was only targeted uh, 20 yards or greater 13.4% of the time. Stephon Diggs, 163 It's actually a little bit surprising. Next up, we've got slot performance. So looking at uh, which players took the highest percentage of snaps in the slot, um, first of all would be Randall Cobb and Chad Beebe, which don't matter. Then Golden Tate, which doesn't matter. Then, not super surprisingly, Anthony Miller, who I feel like is the only true slot guy of the group. I mean, Adam Thielen kind of is, but he's... He's an outside guy. Anthony Miller, I feel like, is is the slot guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But Anthony Miller, 68.7. Adam Thielen, 57.1. Uh, skip, skip. And then Marquez at 46.3. So almost half of his snaps came in the slot. TJ Jones, 46. And then it drops 40% to Allen Robinson, 30 to Kenny Galladay. Equinemius was only at 26.8. Again, I've said I like him being in the slot. They didn't use him there very often. I'd like to see him get a shot there. Stephon Diggs, 22. Taylor Gabriel, 22. Uh, Devontae Adams, only 20. That number uh, supposedly is going to jump. Then Marvin Jones at 17. And shockingly, 
The person who is in the slot the least is the one that apparently is sitting in the slot right now, Geronimo Allison. Only 11.2% of his snaps came in the slot. Okay. I mean, it's just it's kind of weird to me, but we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, target percentage, which I think matters because the question here is, when you're in the slot, how often does your quarterback throw you the ball? Devontae Adams was number two. So Aaron Rodgers clearly doesn't have a problem with this. This is one out of every four times, 27.5%, more than one out of four times. When Devontae Adams lines up in the slot, the ball's going there. Otherwise, kind of a bunch of who cares. Just looking at uh, straight-up yards, Adam Thielen obviously dominated 712 yards. Then Anthony Miller, massive drop, 350, and it's just a free fall from there. Uh, Looking at yards per route run, so every time that ball is snapped, when you're in the slot, what is the average amount of yards you're going to get? Devontae Adams, again, number one, 2.42 yards on average. Stephon Diggs, number two, at 2.05. Adam Thielen, 1.91. As far as the rest of the Packers, 1.45 for Equinemius. Uh, 1.29 for Marquez, 0.79 for Geronimo. So again, I just I don't get the uh, Geronimo in the slot thing. I guess they never put him there. Rodgers didn't really target him very much, and he didn't get very much production in the slot. But whatever, different scheme, different thought process. We'll see what happens. We'll see if he even ends up starting there. I'm not sold on that 100%. Lastly, overall, is yards per out run. Same as with the slot, but this is just overall as a wide receiver. When you line up and the ball is snapped on a passing play. On average, how many yards are you going to get? Devontae Adams is number one at 2.12. Adam Thielen at 2.1. Golden Tate, who's gone. Brad, uh, let's see, Kenny Galladay, 1.87. So, again, we've got the same tier again. Devontae Adams and Adam Thielen, number one. Then a pretty big drop down to 1.87 for Kenny Galladay. Geronimo, also 1.87, small sample size. No reason I bring that up is because I'm skipping people that are smaller that aren't Packers. Stephon Diggs, 1.72. Allen Robinson, 1.69, and Marvin Jones, Taylor Gabriel, Equinemius, uh, Aldrick Robinson, Marquez, Anthony Miller, Jake Kumaro, Josh Bellamy, Andy Jones, TJ Jones. So overall, how would I quantify this? It's really tough, because if you kind of stretch it, you could make a case for just about any team having the best group, I would say with the exception of the Bears. Again, I'm kind of picking on the Bears here. I'm not trying to. It's just the honest assessment. I mean, to be completely honest, I would say the Vike or the... The Lions and the Bears are in kind of similar situations as far as having guys. And by the way, there's there's been some additions this year. I suppose I should look at that. But again, this is we'll get to potential in the future. Looking at what we know of the guys that they have on the teams that they're on. In other words, we can look at the free agents and what they did in the past with different quarterbacks on different teams. But just based on what we have from 2018, what we know going forward, I think the Lions and Bears are in similar situations. The Lions are just better. Right. Kenny Galladay is better than Allen Robinson. I think Marvin Jones is better than Taylor Gabriel. We'll have to see what happens between Danny Amendola, who they picked up in the slot, and Anthony Miller. But, I mean, I, I'm okay just calling that a wash, to be honest. I mean, I, I think Anthony Amendola is probably on the downswing, and Anthony Miller is probably on the upswing, but I, I'm going to call that a wash. So it's hard to argue that the Bears are in a, the best situation when I can't even argue that they're in a better situation than the team that kind of has a similar kind of team. Um, And then it's probably also hard to argue for the Packers when, again, you've got Devontae and Adam Thielen are basically the same, but they have Stephon Diggs and we don't. Now, again, we can look into the future and modify this, and we could also put on the quarterback uh, quantifier if we want, but that's already kind of baked in, right? What they were last year is partially because of the quarterbacks that they had, so there's no reason to add 
the quarterback multiplier because we already have that accounted for. But the Vikings' biggest deficiency is the massive drop-off after their top two guys. They don't have any depth outside of two wide receivers. So the other variables are, number one, new additions. Uh, number two is tight ends. And number three, which I'm mean, I, i I'm not going to add tight ends, but as far as total receiving group, because tight ends are a separate thing that we can do separately if we so choose. Maybe I should do it today because I don't know if I'm going to do tight ends because it sounds a little boring. But then number three is the moving into the future as far as the time variable. People getting better, people getting worse, whatever. So the Lions have not only added Danny Amendola, but recently added Jermaine Curse. Now, I don't personally see this as a big deal. Kenny Galladay is the one guy where you kind of look at it and go, I wonder how good he's going to get, right? Because he was kind of like on the radar and you're, it's kind of funny because again, you're looking at him and kind of going, I wonder if Marquez is going to follow that path. Because in his first year, he was graded at 68, right? He was one of those guys that overall, it was just kind of eh, but you saw the flashes and Lions fans are like, oh, he's going to be real good. Year two, he broke out. Uh, He was ranked 19th overall as far as wide receivers. That's, That's good. That's solid. There's a lot of wide receivers out there. Now, Marquez was graded at 60.4, which isn't 68, but anyways, whatever. Point is, how good is Kenny Galladay going to get is really my one big question. Marvin Jones has been around long enough. I think we know what we're going to get. Possibly he could drop off, but I would expect him to just kind of be the same. Danny Amendola, I mean, I don't really have super high hopes for him. I think he's going to be in the, you know, mid-60s to mid-70s, best-case scenario, and that was when he was with Tom Brady, he was mid-70s. He's a year older and with a lesser quarterback, so I don't see that happening. And the same is true with Jermaine Curse. I mean, I know stylistically they do different things and it'll help the offense for this reason or that reason or whatever, but overall production has just never been that great, so I'm not super worried about that either. Now, if we were to bake in tight ends, I'll mention it because, again, I don't really know... TJ Hawkinson is is a big variable here as far as the receiving group as a whole. That's the one thing that could break this all wide open. Not only giving them a a really good receiver, um, but it also is going to help the other receivers on the team. And beyond that, if we look at that as the total receiving group, that's really going to boost Detroit. I'm not going to boost them too much because it's kind of crazy to put them ahead of, you know, the Packers or ahead of the Vikings or whatever based on a, a rookie that nobody's ever seen. He could be a complete joke. But it is a pretty big variable that, that comes into play here. As far as the Vikings, and this is kind of the same theme. They've got the talent, right? I've been saying this about the defense. The talent is there. There's no question about it. The problem is they didn't really get better anywhere. Who's the receiver that helped this team? They drafted Dylan Mitchell and Ola B.C. Johnson in the seventh round. They did nothing to rectify that. I mean, I shouldn't say rectify because it's not broken. You got two good wide receivers. That's great. And you just paid them a bunch of money. But I don't know. You, you kind of... Uh, I mean, this is a team that last year, and they've got a new uh, coordinator, but 66.3% of the time they were in three wide receiver sets. Only 27.4% of the time, for those of you who are thinking, well, they only use two wide receivers, and hopefully no Vikings fans were screaming that because know your stuff, dude. 27.4% of the time they went two wide. They like going three with Adam Thielen in the slot. They don't have a number three. Now, again, they did add a tight end. That could change the dynamic here. Uh, they added Irv Smith. I personally don't expect that to be a big thing. Not saying he won't contribute. It's entirely possible he can or will. But, you know, I've, I've talked about my expectations for tight ends being relatively low. Um, I just don't know that Irv Smith is going to really crack this thing open. But he should help. The, the, the biggest hiccup I have is the fact that they have Kyle Rudolph. And Kyle Rudolph is good, not great. So they've already got a good, not great. We know what that looks like. 
So if Irv Smith comes in and he's good, not great, what what exactly is it that scares me? We got a second Kyle Rudolph. All right, cool. And then the Bears, I mean, their their big acquisition was Cordero Patterson. I mean, he's he's a talented guy. It kind of makes sense with what Nagy does. Nagy does all kinds of crazy stuff. So he's probably going to come in and be all gadgety and stuff, which is great because, again, we're dragging a quarterback, so we got to get super creative. You know, we got to get Taylor Gabriel, who runs 4-1-2. Allen Robinson, who's sort of our Devontae Adams, except he's not very good. Anthony Miller's our slot guy. Cordero's going to be the, you know, crazy. We're going to put him, line him up in the backfield as a running back and, you know, just get the ball in his hands. He can do magic, blah, 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 blah. Stuff we've heard for years now. So... I will see. I I do think, and I promise Bears fans as we go through this, you're going to be the best at something. It's not quarterback and it's not wide receiver. Maybe it's not, and and, you know, again, the problem is not only can I not pull you out of fourth, which is where I have your wide receiver group or your receiver group, there's no reasonable expectation that anybody with the exception of Anthony Miller gets better. And if he gets better, okay, then he's he's what? I mean, he was graded at 60.6. I mean, just dead average. He goes up to, what, 70? Then you've got two 70s and a high 60. So kind of like three good, not great guys. Okay, that still puts you fourth. Then lastly is the Packers, and the Packers' range is going to be anywhere from first to third, if I'm being entirely honest. I think if, you know, if, if Marquez can step up and be sort of that Kenny Galladay type, and, and you know, and, and, and the thing is, it's not just Marquez. You got Marquez, you got EQ, you got Geronimo, you got Jamon, you got Kumaro. There's a lot of guys that are just question marks. And so it's not a matter of, you know, like the Bears saying, well, if this one guy can be good, then, you know, we'll be better. This is, we've got a bunch of guys that we're waiting to see what they can become in their second and third years. So I'm not just making this up. It's just a matter of if somebody can step up and give us a number two, the potential of being the number one squad, which is going to take a lot. Because again, if, if Devontae Adams and Adam Thielen are kind of a wash, then either Marquez needs to be Stefan Diggs, which probably isn't going to happen, or Marquez needs to be sort of a Kenny Galladay type, but also we need production from Geronimo and Equinemius, and these guys also need to take a step. And then we just have a, a, a good squad. All right, so you got that whole squad thing going for you. In other words, we have a number three and a four and a five, whereas the Vikings have two. And our squad is better than the Lions squad. That would be the one way, the one realistic way I could see being the top wide receiver group. The way in which we're the third best wide receiver group is if nothing changes. If it's Devontae Adams and a bunch of just bleh, then I, I just, I, you know, if you want to keep them ahead of the Lions, I guess you can do that. But I think having three wide receivers with your number one being kind of in like a second tier, so one second tier guy and then you got two or three, three third tier guys, that's probably a better situation. So really, it's, it's just, it's a, the biggest question mark is going to be the Packers. Lions got a relatively big question mark with Amendola and, um, and TJ Hawkinson. Bears and the Vikings, I don't expect too much of a change. They've got the same guys that they've had for a while now. Well, one year for the Bears. But again, we've seen their track record. So, and that, I mean, listen, this is the way it is for the Packers for most things because it's such a brand spanking new team. Whether it's new this year or was new last year, new offensive scheme, second year defense, I mean, everything is so new, it's just a massive question mark. And I I don't want to just constantly push that in the positive. It could also be negative. So we'll have to see. But at this point, I would probably say the Vikings have the best situation having two top-tier wide receivers. Again, I'm putting Diggs up there, although he didn't necessarily earn it last year. I think they have two really, really good wide receivers. I would say, kind of similar to quarterback, the next tier would be Packers-Lions. They're different as in terms of the Packers being top-heavy, Lions being more spread out, but you know an adequate amount of talent, and one guy that is a clear number one. 
probably put the Lions a notch ahead just because I value that. Now, again, I'm not talking anything about potential. I'm just talking about with if we just assume 2018 is 2019, I'm maybe putting the Lions a half a hair ahead. Again, just based on the, the wide receivers, not talking about who's going to be better because of the quarterback. I don't want everybody freaking out. And then there would be a drop down to the Bears who have just kind of a line of mediocre. I think their number one is probably the worst number one. The biggest thing for them, again, is going to be uh, their uh, slot guy. Now, here's the other factor. Again, the most potential for growth of a quarterback is going to be Trubisky. If he gets better and elevates the play of all the wide receivers, that could change the dynamic of everything. But that's kind of how I see it. It's Vikings, then Packers, Lions, then Bears. So anyways, let me know what you think. Again, I just wanted to present the information as I see it. My conclusions, let me know what your conclusions are, and also why would be nice. Because again, I'm, I'm evaluating it a certain way. If you change the value of how valuable this is versus that, it's, you're going to come up with a different answer, and I don't think either is necessarily right or wrong. But anyways, i got to leave it at that. Gots to get going. I hope you folks enjoy your... Oh good, it is Friday. Man, that's two days in a row where my heart just stopped. I was about to say Friday, and I'm like, oh, is it Thursday? It better not be Thursday. So good, it's Friday. All right. Party on Wayne party on guard. Enjoy your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.